Welcome everybody back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is the early afternoon of Thursday, January 12th. First Card Chronicle podcast of the new year. Hope your 2023 is off to a fantastic start. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard up in Columbus, Ohio. Dan, how are we today? We're hanging in there. Uh, I mean, the grind of January, I think for all Cards fans, is, is going to feel a little tougher here. Um, I, I would say until we probably get to the spring football game. So we're all in this together. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good New Year's. Snuck down to Louisville last weekend. Got to hang out with you for a little bit. Um, so that was good. But uh, other than that, yeah, time's just ticking. Yeah, these these two months, I mean, everybody talks about it. January and February, probably on everybody's short list for worst month of the year. Oh, yeah. And, and the only thing that kind of carries us through that and makes it tolerable has always been college basketball, in particular Louisville or Kentucky or whoever you're a fan of. And this year it's just like, oh, my God, what do we do? Like, I don't think anybody knows how to react. Last year, at least, like, the team was not playing well this time last year, but you still had, I guess, some hope. You had the, the Russ Smith retirement coming up, and you know, the team was not – this abysmal at that point yet and then you didn't have the Chris Mack drama about him leaving until the end of January and then February it was just kind of like all right let's let's do it for the kids let's do it for Mike McGee let's kind of hang in there and with this year it's all any hope that Louisville fans have is for the future and not the future of this season but the future down the line with Kenny Payne or whoever is is up next it's just I feel like I say this every podcast. We've never been in this situation before where it's, you know, you know the two months ahead are going to be bad. Even if there's good, it's not going to change anything for this season in particular. Anything short of winning five games in five days in Greensboro is not going to to, to change anything big picture-wise about this season. It's just, it's all so bizarre. So I guess we can just jump right into it. We'll talk football, um, thank God, because, I, you know, <laughs> thank God for Jeff Brown. Thank you, Jeff. We'll, we love you, Jeff. Uh, say pro Jeff Brom podcast, especially now. Uh, we'll talk. We asked for some questions from you guys on Twitter. We'll take some of those. But I guess we start with hoops here. Uh, cards last night. Take on Clemson. It was great for about six minutes. They came out. They played really well in the first segment. They you know, looked like a competent basketball team that was ready to play hard. And then five straight turnovers, five straight Clemson trips with points off those turnovers. And it was it, it was done. And Louisville now 2-15. and 15. Overall, 0-6 in conference play for the first time since, you guessed it, folks, the 1940-41 season. <laughs> it's, I mean, those, those poor sons of bitches. Just every, every game, they're, they're just like, really? Uh, the good news for the 40-41 team is they only played six conference games that year. So wherever the, whoever went 0-7, um, we're going to have to go back a little bit further. I'll, I'll rely on Kelly Dickey for that. But, I mean, Dan... What do you even say at this point? I talk about this team every single day on the radio. I've run out of things to say. Yes, they're getting better. Yes, they've covered the spread in five straight games. And yet and still, we're still talking about a 2-15 a and 15 team that's 0-6 in conference play. And I believe is 346th in the net rankings, which is worse than all but seven teams in Division One. It's just, it's it's still unbelievable to me. Yeah, I mean, I... I've I'm definitely in the like I'm numb to it stage right now. Um, just to hear you utter off like the words Louisville and two and fifteen and zero oh and six. I mean it's 
I just, ne- I mean, I, we, I'm sure you say it a million times. I just never thought we would be at this point. Um, like you assumed once we got our sanctions back from the NCA, it's like, finally we have turned the page. Like we have reached rock bottom. And I mean, it's just unbelievable how we keep finding new ways to reach this rock bottom. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as the game goes, if you want to say they're getting better, I guess I'm not going to argue with you. Um, I mean, it's 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 almost the same script every single game. I'm like, okay, yeah. when's it gonna happen here? Um, so it's like you're just you're you're kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off. I think uh, Kenny Payne has alluded to that as far as like the players' mindset is like, hey, I mean, I th- I think he knows that they're almost looking for something bad to happen, and that's the thing he's probably I would say trying to work on most is more of a positive mindset to get a winning attitude. But with the pieces we have, it just makes it so tough. So the sad part about, I mean, geez, I'll be honest. Like I haven't dug into college basketball. I mean, by far the least amount I've dug into college basketball. And I bet a lot of Louisville fans feel the same way just because it's hard to get into our team, which I think kind of makes it not as fun to watch maybe some of these other teams. And I think it's an overall down year with not a lot of superstars anyways. But the fact that, that there play- it is, it's down year for college basketball. It's not us. It's just, it's down year for the sport. It, it is. There down it is. Year for the sport. What? Who I, cares? Who that, cares? I, is, that, is that what people are saying? I don't know. I had never heard that. So. Oh, that's the Kentucky fan thing. Every time Kentucky has a bad team, it's it's a down year for college. Who cares? It's a down year for the sport. We did it last year, and I thought I it was mean, a fun I joke. Care. Then. Like I, I mean, I still care. No, care. the sport's done. It's college bad. <laughs> Who cares? It's bad year. Down year for the sport. Yeah, I mean, well. I don't know. We'll talk about this later. I was going to ask, like, do you have, like, must-watch teams to watch? But my main point was, like, the fact that that Clemson team is 6-0 and and leading the ACC is bizarro world. Um, like, I, I after watching last night, I now that betting is legal in Ohio for sports, uh, I might have to crack into the account and start fading away on them. But, yeah, depressing loss. We showed signs, and I guess we're back to uh, – Back to where we've been all year. It's uh, of all the staggering things that are out there. I mean, we ended the season last year. We lost what? I think we went we went two and twelve in our last fourteen games last season. We're two and fifteen now. So we've we're, we're four and twenty seven over our last thirty one games, dating back to last season. I just never, like you said, I, I you echo this every single day. Like I just I never thought regardless of the circumstances I'd ever see a day where it got this bad and yet here we are and I don't I've run out of ways to to talk about it like yeah they're getting better yeah they're it, it's do you think just... Wagner basketball has a podcast dedicated to it <laughs> <laughs> go, go wildcats um I don't know I mean I I just I I don't know what to say I I think the, the big problem for Kenny Payne right now is if you're optimistic about the future under Kenny Payne, you've still got nothing to point to to back up that optimism. And outside of just, you know, he got guys when he was at UK. I, I like what, what he says. I, I don't Kenny Payne is going to have to immediately after the season ends give the fans some reason for for optimism for the future. He's going to have to go out there 
And whether it's a total roster overhaul or bringing back some of the guys that are playing well right now, Mike James has certainly uh, been very, very good the last couple of weeks. Whether it's getting some of those guys back or going out there and nabbing some of the biggest names in the portal, he's got to give the fan base that wants to still believe something tangible to hold on to and say, this is why I believe it's going to get better. It was the the players were bad apples. You know, Nobody could have won with that team. Whatever you want to say to, to, to give some hope because, look, I'm not changing my stand. I, I said I'd be patient through the first year. I certainly didn't think it was ever going to get this bad. But my stance going into this whole thing was year two, unless there's some dramatic NCAA penalty that limits your ability to do this, you need to be in the NCAA tournament at a, at a place like Louisville. It should not be a four-year build just to get NCAA tournament good, especially in this day and age where transfers are eligible immediately. You can use NIL. We've got the Kenny Payne video uh, that came out this week where he's talking about NIL, even though a lot of people said it sounds like he's a hostage. <laughs> Josh, yeah, I was going to say Josh Hurd standing behind the camera, um, <laughs> like directing every word. He's still wearing the same thing that he wears for every game. I'm like... <laughs> Can we not just change it up a little bit? Nothing, Nothing's going well right now. Just at least try something different. I, I don't know. I mean, it's – the, the the thing about people talking about getting players in the transfer portal and overhauling the roster is it's still going to take actual wins on the court for, I think, the segment of the fan base that's already ready to, to, to cut ties for them to be bought back in. Because let's say he goes out there and he nabs – three of the, the 10 best players in the transfer portal and gets you know two or three other guys that could really help you, everybody's still going to be like, cool, let's see if you can actually win with these guys because we had a decent roster the year before, at least relative to the rest of college basketball, and you won four or five, six games, whatever it's going to wind up being this season. It's just it's It's hard to be overly optimistic right now when the team has quite literally never been this bad in any of our lifetimes through the first two months of the season it's I, like I don't know what else to say about it like it, yeah. it's just two and 15 speaks for itself you're two you have two, you have two wins at the University of Louisville I think uh, I don't know I mean like and I don't want to take I'm sure it's been a long year for the kids on the team um, you know and I don't want to take away from their moment but I think most fans at least me like I'm very antsy to like like you said I'm I'm ready to see what's going to happen. So I'm like ready for the season to end as quick as possible, obviously, um, and see what is going to take place with the roster. Um, it's just, geez, imagine being like in Kenny's shoes and you're, I mean, I guess you could say coaching future is dependent on transfers that you pro. I mean, maybe they have little, inklings out there and you know relationships with with handlers and coaches where they might know players might be leaving but I mean he's gonna have to put all his eggs in a basket where like he doesn't even know like who's leaving or who's gonna be available or what I mean because like you said I mean it, year one the fact that we're even I mean some fans I'm I'm not giving him a pass but some fans are and I, I think he'll probably be here for year two you know, so for me, he's already gotten a long leash. But if we start out year two and it's anything looking like this, I, I mean, the noise is going to be overwhelming. I, I just don't see how you could keep going with this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. This is a pr- big summer coming up. I know we heard 
like we're in Trenton Flowers, what final four or five? I'm, that was like the first inkling of somewhat good recruiting news that I can remember in a while. Um, it's like it's good until you realize that everybody who follows recruiting at all is like, oh yeah, it's done. He's going to North Carolina. I'm like, okay, we're in the top awesome. five. Great, okay, Mike, we're, we are in the top five. You, I was like, can you just let me have one day where I'm, everybody's like, oh, it's UNC, it's done, it's been done for a long time. I'm like, well, god damn it, like just just like give me one day to be like. We're here with Arkansas and Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, oh, God. I mean, it's brutal. I don't know. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see right after the season kind of what happens with the coaching staff. I think if, like, you start to see the assistants bolt, like, right away or something like that, then it would be like, okay, like, you know, what's going on? If, if it's, you know, if they're still sticking around and, and, and trying to see out year two, then, then maybe – Maybe they do have some sort of plan in the works, but um, yeah, it's going to be a long two months here till we get to April, May. It is, and speaking of situations we've never been in before, I think, like again, as bad as last year was, as bad as the '98 season was, as bad as Crumb's last season uh, one was, when you got to this point in the season, there was still at least a little bit of hope. Yeah. Like, you know, you had there was thought even going into the the conference USA tournament in crumbs last year, which was at freedom hall that we could make a run. And you, you still, you held out some hope that something magical could happen and you still look forward to some games. We've never been in a spot where I think everybody is just curious to see what's next. Like after the season, like nobody's looking forward to something crazy happening these next two months, because let's say, I mean, even if you beat North Carolina this weekend, it's, it's great. We'll celebrate. We'll be happy, but it doesn't really change. Like nobody feels optimistic any more optimistic about the last two months that you can you know somehow go on a crazy run and and make the ncaa tournament or even make the nit or the cbi or or whatever it's just everybody's kind of ready to just get through this and then see what can happen next see if he can bring in a a roster next year that can be competitive and if he can't then see what the next page in this the story of uvl basketball is going to become it's yeah i mean I, i don't know if assistants are going to leave i don't know if josh heard says hey like we need to make a little bit of a, a staff shakeup imagine josh heard goes to kenny Payne and is like you got to get rid of one of these assistants and everybody's just like well josh it's, it's been it's been fun yeah uh, <laughs> i'm assuming you're going to be the guy i don't know i mean I, I i've got no idea what's going to happen and talking about transfers like i've got i've got no inside information let, let me say that that right off the bat like last year i think everybody had heard even before the the Mac departure happened, like Matt Cross is probably not going to be here next year. Sam Williamson is probably going to transfer closer to home. Like that was already was already out there. But this year, like we're all talking about who do you bring in? Who's to say that we don't lose some of the guys that we actually want to come back? Like like who's to say that in this day and age, like L. Ellis is like I got one more year of eligibility. I'm a big time college player. I'd like to play in the NCAA tournament. I don't see it happening here. I'm going somewhere else, or maybe even Mike James is like to hell with this. Like I, I, we just don't know. You got no idea what's going to happen, and it's it's exciting, I guess, when you're this bad. But it's also a little bit. It makes everything impossible to forecast, and that's kind of where we are right now. I, I, right. It, let me let me ask you. I mean, geez, this is a depressing question. Like big picture overall for our basketball program. I mean. It's been since, yeah, we had a tournament win in 2017, but, I mean, we're looking at eight years of just, I mean, 
it's been i mean i don't even know what to say it's been awful for the most part like have we is the program like gone down a level like i mean i know what it is right now obviously it's easy to say yes they have two wins but like from an overall just like this is how we look at you know college basketball teams like we'd always put ourselves in the top six or seven like has enough damage been done to where it's like you know what this just might be how it is going forward I mean we don't know who's going to be if we get a new coach we don't know who that's going to be but yeah we have a supportive fan base yes we have a you know big time NBA arena we're the only pro team in town but you know eight years that's a that's a that's a long time and I I think from an overall standpoint, I just wonder if maybe we're the ones that are just kind of in the dark, like, well, actually the program has gone down like a decent amount and like, you know, the national eyes and maybe we're just not accepting it. I don't know. I definitely have concerns. I I think that it's natural for all Louisville fans to look at this and say exactly what you just said. Like we're a top six, top seven, all time program. You know, we've got this arena. We're always top five in attendance. You know, we're still a big draw. We've had two Hall of Fame coaches, all that stuff. But it's, you know, Indiana fans were saying the same thing right. 10, 15 years ago. Like, they, they did not see themselves the same way that I think the rest of the country saw them. Maryland fans, kind of the, the, the same thing. And I do get concerned that you've lost so much luster in recent years that it's going to be damn near impossible to bounce back at least all the way to the top in the near future i mean like you said we still remember it's been 10 years since the national championship it doesn't feel like that to to us to people our age but it's been it's been a full 10 years since louisville was just rolling and now you look at it since you know you said we won the ncaa tournament game in 2017 we've been to the ncaa tournament once since then if you were a if you're a 18 year old kid right now you know, since you were like 10, 11 years old, this is how you've known Louisville. Like, like all you know them is scandals and subpar basketball. And that's, it's, it, it sucks. And there's definitely a part of me that is concerned that, that the hole just keeps, keeps getting di- uh, deeper. Right. And it's going to take longer and longer to climb out of. I mean, you can look back and say, well, the hole got pretty deep at the end of the Denny Crum era. We didn't win an, an NCAA tournament game after 1997 until he left and Rick Pitino took over between 97 and 03 we didn't win a tournament game and yeah like it, it, that was a, a a tough hill to climb and my response to that would be it took one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time to get us out of there it, t- it took a, a surefire hall of famer to get us out of there and i'm not sure that you know i'm not sure that person is out there waiting to be hired by Louisville right now i hope he is i mean i, yeah. I hope that that's going to happen but that's the next thing is whoever is next if it, if it doesn't work out with kenny payne you've got to absolutely nail whoever the next hire is and that's that's like the conundrum i feel like as a fan base we're just it, it's going to be like groundhog day because let's say there for you know argument's sake that kenny doesn't make it after this year and we hire someone okay I mean, there are very few coaches that can, like, come in the first year and infuse just, like, immediate, like, contender talent to, like, compete for Final Fours and national title. Is it easier with the transfer portal? Okay, fine. Maybe it's a little easier, but still, you know, and what's going to happen is you're going to have the the fraction of the fan base who was like, 
see, we brought in this new guy and like, you know, they're, they, they're six and eight and they still suck. Like they should have given Kenny right. another year. And like, it's going to be the same song and dance over and over. Um, no matter who we bring in, unless they like absolutely go gangbusters the first couple months. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. I, the only thing for this program to get back to the way it was, unfortunately, is just winning. And, you know, as we talked about, it just doesn't seem like we're anywhere close to that right now. No, I mean, if, if you had hired Nate Oates right now, who's got maybe the best team in the country. At oh, Alabama, my God. They're, by the way, they're, they're really good. That Arkansas game very last good. night, I was like, Jesus. Yeah, they won by 14 in, in Fayetteville. But if you'd hired him and we were like 14 and 3 right now, You'd have some people out there who were like, well, Kenny Payne would have us at 16 of 1. Exactly. You know, it, like, that would be the thing, and I think that's what you're going to have to overcome. But at the end of the day, you're right. Like, it's, if you hire somebody who wins enough, it's just not going to matter. But that's the big question. It's the question that Kentucky's dealing with right now, too. Uh, you know, is there a guy out there who's good enough to justify cutting ties with John Calipari when you'd have to pay him $60 million to leave? And, I mean, can we make fun of Kentucky for a second? I feel like that that's, that's okay. You know, we're, we know who we are. We know where we are. We've been in this situation for a long time. Like you guys are just now joining the party to a, to an extent. You know, I I once had a bad case of loser denial myself until the, <laughs> nice. until the lacrosse team shoved a pine coat up my ass. Um, it's we we now we're going to do the same thing that they did to us a couple of years ago when we were the first team left out of the tournament and they were winning nine games. They're like, yeah, it's a bad season for both of us. So we can kind of do that too. I mean, you case in shambles. Like it, it's. Calipari and the fan base, they've never had more of a divide. You've got, I listened to, I, I didn't hear it, but I was told by multiple people that on Matt Jones' post-game show after the South Carolina loss on, on Tuesday night that two different UK fans calling in cried, um, which, you know, come on, guys. Have, have some self-respect. Handle yourself like a man in the face of adversity. We're men over here on this side. We know what we're dealing with. We don't call into radio shows and cry like a bitch. We, we cry in our room softly by ourselves after our wives and kids have gone to sleep, whispering quietly into the air, I don't care if I die tonight because the 21-year-olds that we root for didn't play well enough. That's how you handle these situations, Kentucky fans. You don't cry on 840 WHAS. What are you doing? But anyways, they suck at least. No, I mean, here's my thought process. Like, I obviously, like, I think as a Louisville fan, I'm not going to tell you a fan, but, you know, I think it's definitely okay to take you know, considerable pleasure in what's going on over there. Um, obviously, misery loves company. But at, at least me, like, there's a difference between, like, take, you know, laughing and having a good time with, like, what's going on over there. But, like, I just can't bring myself to, like, talk shit because it's like, well, I have, like, nothing to fall back on. So, um, but it, it is from afar, you know, kind of funny to see what they're going through and i'm curious as as to what to happen or what happens to be honest i mean that's a lot of money hanging on the table right there and i I think their family is just fucking fed up so um it'll definitely be interesting i i still think he'll end up riding it out in the end um i think he's gonna stick around for this next recruiting class but um yeah i mean i'm definitely not hating what's going on over in lexington it's sort of like we're homeless. We're down on our luck. We're sitting by the bus stop. We're, you know, we've had a, a rough go of it. 
and there's a, a well-dressed businessman who's about to get on the bus and he shits his pants. You know, it's, he's still doing, he's still doing better than us, but we can at least point and laugh in this moment. Like it's, 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 it's not, not funny. What what do you expect me to do? Yes. You're in a better spot than we are. You're still going to go, you know, get paid. But for the time being, we're laughing at you too. Like we're, we're both in a shitty situation. You just literally, but is there any uh, part of you that's like, that's like, well, maybe we should get rid of our coach first. So if there is a really good candidate out there inside <laughs> track, like, I mean, I've had to have crossed like everyone's mind. Cause the, I mean, could you imagine, like, I, again, I don't know who's available or who's going to be available, but you know, I, I, the last thing I want is for like, you know, both of us to get rid of our coaches at the same time. And then like UK land, like the, our number one target. But again, this is, this is the mindset that Louisville basketball has put me in. I'm assuming the worst, like, I just always assume the worst is going to happen. So um, I'm, my New Year's resolution was to not try to negatively tweet uh, during the basketball <laughs> game. So I've kind of – I've tried to hold back. The, the L. Ellis turnovers down eight last night, I re- down ten. I really had a tough time. I wasn't picking on him. I, oh. I know he has to do a lot, um, and I, I appreciate what L gives to the program. But I, I, I just had to type it out uh, to clear my head a little bit. What a New Year's resolution! You're like, yeah. I I just see you like, just like screaming internally like Zan Payne. I just take it out of my family now. <laughs> why, why is Zan in the game, Camden? <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, oh uh, yeah, my son. I mean, I, like getting my son even like God. This is the worst part. I'm like, hey, you want to watch Louisville basketball? Like, I don't know. I'm gonna play Mario Kart. Um, but he's like, let's watch Premier League soccer. I'm like, well, we've officially oh, lost this. Oh. Well, let's uh, let's shift the conversation to happier things, which is the Louisville football program right now. Jeff Brom absolutely killing it in the transfer portal, killing it in recruiting, killing it in life. He's looking great. He's feeling great. And every time, I, I feel like after every basketball game the next morning, people are like, just give me another transfer. G- g- give, me, give me some news to get excited about. But Brom has loaded up with power conference transfers. And then uh, on Saturday, he not only hangs on to the commitment of four-star tight end Jamari Johnson, who had been heavily pursued by Oregon, but he lands a commitment from five-star linebacker slash edge rusher TJ Capers out of Miami, who is the number five overall player in the class of 2024, the highest-rated recruit to ever commit to Louisville. And I know that Louisville fans, there's probably some of you listening who immediately are like, you know, Talk to me when he signs. Talk to me in 11 months when it's signing day. You know, we're a little bit still hurt by DeAndre Moore leaving, by Ruben Owens leaving. I fully understand that. I think we're all, you know, people aren't going to stop recruiting TJ Cabers just because he's committed to Louisville. Having said that, even if he does sign elsewhere, it's it's not a, a nothing burger for him to, on TV, pick your hat over the back-to-back national champions from Georgia over Alabama, over Auburn, over USC, over all these teams, and to have people taking notice of the fact that you know one of the top five players in the overall class is pledging his allegiance to U of L, like that only helps. I think this this current little wave that we're riding on the recruiting trail. But as far as next season is concerned, Brom goes out there. He lands Isaac Garendo, who's going to help Louisville out significantly in the backfield. He's a speedster running back out of uh, Wisconsin. He lands John Paul, Paul Flores a offensive lineman out of Virginia. He lands Jamari Thrash, who's one of the best players available in the portal at any position, the wide receiver out of Georgia State, who's a, a big-time 
big play threat. He lands Gilbert Frierson from Miami in the secondary to help replace the loss of Miles Slusher, who transferred to Colorado. He gets Kevin Coleman, a former top 100 recruiter, who went to Jackson State last year. Like, there is, it's, uh, unlike the basketball program, it's not just excitement building for the future down the line with Kenny Payne. It's not just people talking about what we could be three or four years later. Like, there's now, I think, serious excitement for just next season, the first year of the Jeff Brom era at UofL. Oh, my! I mean, my mind is wandering places that it should not be wandering about this upcoming <laughs> season. I'm like, all right, slow it down, Dan. It's year one. Um, but, like, I mean, you can't help but just, like, want to wake up and do cartwheels when you get out of bed after seeing what he's done. Um, and like you said, yeah, if, if the Capers kid, you know, is it going to be a battle to keep him all year? Probably. Um, but you know what? Like, high schools and recruits they're going to log on to recruiting websites and say holy shit louisville is top five in recruiting like what's going on there um and obviously i think words getting around that hey you know um jeff brahm has has done good things to get to this point but he's kind of on his home turf now and the the thing i like about it is it's like he ha- has had this plan all along. And he's like, hey, if I get this job, this is exactly who I'm going to hire. This is who, you know, these are the relationships I've built. This is who I'm bringing with me. And it's he literally hit the ground running. And I think that's like when you're comparing basketball stuff. Like, I think, you know, Kenny may have had a plan in his mind um, versus like Jeff. I think he firmly you know, had a plan that he knew he could follow through with. So, and now it's just gaining momentum. And I, you know, I think it can take it to another level from here, but yeah, it's, it's fun when you look at the schedule next year. Um, like, I mean, God, you just run down it and you're like, geez, there's some, I mean, a, a lot of winnable games on here. I know uh-huh. last time we talked, I said like, you know, I think seven wins is kind of the bar six to seven, but um i mean the more guys we get yeah you know we got to see how they work in cohesion you got to bring everyone together install a new system blah 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 i know there's still you know people are you know not really sold on because we've lost a lot on the o-line i totally get that um but it you know as far as hey we bring excitement to the program stands should be i don't want to say fully packed but significantly bigger crowds than we've seen in the past couple years um he's done everything right so far and and you heard about the schedule we're gonna find out the full schedule january 30th is when the acc will announce the the, the, its full schedules we know uofl opens up against georgia tech in atlanta then they play murray state at home then they play indiana in indianapolis these little bitches trying to get out of their contract with us and then the only other game that we have a set date for is the kentucky game which will be at home final week of the regular season but we do know like notre dame's coming in the other non-conference game, we don't have a date for that, but they're coming to our place. And then ACC-wise, you miss Clemson and Florida State this coming season. You don't play either one of them. You'll play Pitt on the road, who's good. The road games look a lot tougher than the home games for UofL this year. Miami has been recruiting really well. They're still going to have to prove it. Um, NC State, you play on the road. They should be good again. But it's a very manageable schedule. And I think if if the offensive line is good enough, and if more importantly, if Jack Plummer is good enough, I can see you know you can see this being a seven eight nine win team. Yeah, it kind of it, it could feel sort of like Petrino's first season in twenty fourteen when you know they're not like conference championship caliber just yet, but 
they're good enough to beat most of the teams on their schedule and be competitive with everybody else and maybe get to nine wins, play in a big-time bowl game, and set the stage for bigger things to come. And next year's the first year where you don't have divisions in the ACC. So let's say Louisville takes advantage of having a schedule, eight-game schedule where you don't play Clemson or Florida State. Maybe, you know, you start talking about sneaking up into one of those top two spots and getting to play for a conference championship. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Right. But you could be in that to, – to be in that discussion – in like mid October would be such a far cry from where we've been that it just it, you, you get excited just thinking about it and thank God no, we have I, that to get excited about a hundred percent and like there's everyone should be excited I'm not saying like not to be excited I, I I do however cringe a little bit when like I see comments like oh like I I think it's like ACC champion or bust this year I'm like guys do you know how hard it is like yeah. for a, a a Louisville football like. Think about like our best teams that we've been in the ACC, like the Lamar team, like didn't win an ACC t- championship. Like, you know, it's it's not easy. So, um, with that being said, yeah, it's okay to let your mind wander a little bit. But you know, to if, if you're gonna set those expectations, I feel like you're gonna be nothing but but disappointed. So, um, I don't know. It, I I wish we had this schedule next year um because i I just think like year year two um you know usually i don't know i know what the transfer portal times are different now but it just seems like we'd be primed in year two versus year one i i don't think i'm more interested in anything uofl related than to see how good or not good jack Plummer is gonna be like i am so interested for the spring game to see how he's built rapport with receivers and how he throws the ball because, you know, I, I trust that, like we said, I trust the Brahms as far as their quarterback evaluation goes. I wouldn't say him being a Cal. I know he had some nice games and some nice numbers. I wouldn't say I was blown away, but um, I'm very interested to see, like, how he performs in his first year here. All right, uh, let's – Let's take some questions from Twitter because you guys served a ton of them, so we'll try to get to as many as we can before we got to call it a podcast here. Um, James says, this is a two-part question. The first part is, Louisville conference wins over under. I'm setting it at two and a half. What are you taking? Does Louisville win more than two conference games this season, Dan? Jeez. I'll say they win two exactly, so um, I'm taking taking the under. I'm going with three. I said three a week ago. I'm sticking by Who's it. Who's beatable? Get th- Give me is Notre Dame. They've got. They have a, a slate coming up. They play Carolina on Saturday, then Pitt on Wednesday. Those are going to be tough. After that, they go BC, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Florida State. Those are four games where I think you sh- they probably get at least one of those. And then they play Georgia Tech twice. Georgia Tech's not very good. They only play Notre Dame once, and it's away, which is not ideal. Florida State's been better since they got in the conference play and they beat us by a million. Um, I think they I think they get Georgia Tech once. I'm going to say they beat BC next week for their first conference win. They get the Georgia Tech game at home, and then they're going to steal one from somebody. Maybe, like, I don't know, Clemson I was not overly impressed. Clemson's going to fall a little oh bit. My they, God. I'll be shocked if – I'll be shocked if they wind up being a top four team in the ACC. Like they're shooting it uncharacteristic. You got a lot of guys on that roster that are 30 percent career three point shooters that are shooting it at like forty three percent. Like that will regress to the norm a little bit. I can see us maybe stealing that game or maybe beating VT at home. I think we get to three. That's my prediction. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I, I I mean, I, I've 
haven't really kept up with the bottom of the standings, but um, you assume that the team, well, you should. Yeah, it's like well, yeah, I guess I've kept up with us, um, but I, uh, <laughs> I it's, it's tough. But I'll say two. Uh, James also says talking point: Louisville is now dead last in the country in uh, non-steal turnover percentage, and defensively, Louisville ranks 248th in the country. Does this point to bigger issues than just the roster construction? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, to be we are we are turning the ball over on twenty three point nine percent of our possessions, which is basically one out of every four trips down the, the floor we're giving the ball to the other team, and that's three hundred fifty fifth in the country. Non steal turnover percentage, like he mentioned, which is basically just you know just throwing it away or throwing it. Yeah, it, it's you know self inflicted turnovers. We're dead last. We're doing that on thirteen and a half percent of our possessions. That's yeah. Is it on the roster? Sure, but at some point that falls on the coach. When it's that bad at a place like Louisville, everybody deserves some fair share of the blame. And the defense being two hundred forty second, which is actually way better than the offense, is is not good. And they they've continued to struggle with with defense all season long. They don't seem to locate shooters. They can't defend back cuts. They're playing harder for stretches right now, but it's still not close to being good enough uh, last night when Jalen was taking the ball down the sidelines in an eight-point game when he did that little stutter step and like threw his head back and you know he was <laughs> he was about to go full board of the basket I mean 99% of fans knew what was the ending of that was going to be and of course it, it, it yep. went out of bounds like I just we keep putting like some of these players in positions that you know that they shouldn't be in, um, you know, and that's from the offensive standpoint, from the defensive standpoint, there's so many things wrong. It's truly unbelievable. Some of the closeouts yesterday on three point shooters were honestly like they were worse than high school, high school team closeouts. Like they were so bad. Um, we lose our guy all the time. We can't defend pick and roll. You know, I don't want to pick on him, but my guy said like, I mean, I, I just can't understand, uh, not even from, like, a basketball standpoint, from, like, a temperament standpoint, what happened between last year and this year. Like, last year he, like, showed emotion and, like, he'd get pumped up and, like, what? Like I feel like I'm watching a robot out there. Like, he's just up, up, down the floor, here we go, up, there. Oh, you know, I'll let my guy catch it deep in the post. Like, not just him, a lot of our guys do that, but um, it's tough to watch. Uh, Ed DeRosa, horse racing legend, wants to know, and he only says this because he and I were talking about this last night. He wants to know what are the best wings in the Louisville area. He hates mamas. He's wrong about what? that, but he, he, I know he he hates mamas. He called it mid, <laughs> which Ed, you can't you can't say. How old's Ed? He, I know, he, like, is he our age? He's about our age. Okay. I think he's maybe a little bit older, but he we're we're all too old to be saying mid. You can't we we can't do that. But if you're saying, like, I told him, I think mamas are the best. I love rumors still in Middletown. Um, I like Spring Street, which is now back. Their wings are great. Backdoor wings are great. Uh, Fab D wings are very, very good. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite wing joint in Louisville? Uh, I would probably uh, FABD. I would put up there as number one. Um, I mean, I'm a mama's guy. I'd put Mama and Saints like two A, two uh, B. Saints is good. And then uh, room. I'm a big rumors guy as well. Um, I haven't had backdoor, so I can't judge them, but. Um, yeah, if Ed's listening, if he wants to, if he wants to 
let us know who the uh, early derby favorite is or who he's leaning towards. Plus, is Animal Kingdom the uh, most underrated horse of all time? Thanks for listening, Ed. I'll hang up and listen. Also, happy retirement to Hot Rod Charlie. Oh, we we yeah. love you, HRC. We love you on this. I saw the, the post about him. I thought he was dead. I was very upset for a split second. Everyone's like, goodbye, Hot Rod Charlie. I'm like, no, he, not Hot Rod. I would have put him on the celebrity dex, death text thread that we have. Um, we don't need to tell yeah, people about that. Yeah, I know. I guess that. we should just keep that to ourselves. Uh, Timmy Smith, Radio Legend, says, did Kenny Payne destroy both UK and UofL's programs? Um, I mean... UK has not been great since he left, and UofL has not been great since he got here. So the early returns are are positive on the answer to that question. But let's we'll, we'll give it some time, I guess. Um, let's see. Uh, David says, "Does Danny think that we're going to win the ACC in football next year?" He is podcast Trevor. After does all. does Trevor think we're going to win it? Trevor, I mean, Trevor thinks Jeff Brom's not going to lose a game at Louisville. <laughs> he's 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 very optimistic. Well, hey, I. Like I said, I'm I'm all for dreamers. Like I hang around dreamers, but uh, I guess yeah, I I, I kind of made my feelings earlier. I I don't see an ACC championship in the cards right away, at least. Um, but I think there's a chance to have a a, a special season by Louisville standards. Uh, Tim Doherty, former Louisville kicking sensation, says, "Does Zan Payne playing bother you?" I wish I could say it. <laughs> I mean. What are we doing? What are we? The short answer is yes. I mean, last night, key minutes in a, a road game against the number one team in the ACC, and we're right there in the first half. And I'm like, and, and yeah, I, I didn't understand. Yeah. I, I need to like go grab to be a nice. beer with Zan just so I'm like, dude, I knew I liked you all along, but like for whatever reason, when you're on basketball court and take a shot, I lose my mind. Um, I'm sure he's a fantastic 100%, young man. Hundred percent. We're just idiotic fans who are you know glued to the success of 18 19 year old kids i mean the starting five played so well at the beginning of yesterday's game and then it was like here comes hersey <laughs> and i'm like Whoa. <laughs> like all right i love that he plays hard i love that he but like maybe you you rev you should have realized when he missed the rim by seven feet on his first shot that it wasn't going to be his night and get and then we just like leave them in when, when the other team goes we had we were up 16-7. to seven. We turned the ball over on five straight possessions and gave Clemson five straight points uh, off of those possessions to, to go on a, a what, 17-2 to two run. And it was over after that. Like they, they, We did the thing where we fought back and we get to six points and we do it every game now. But it was like that was the, that was the stretch where you've got to call timeout and get your dudes back on the floor. And it was too late when he finally did it. It was – I just don't understand. Yeah, I mean the 16-7, to seven, like – of course, like, I'm I'm going to be happy about it. But, like, I mean, when you, like, you know, when you shoot, like, the way we were, like, you should build, like, a, you know, a 8 to 10 point lead. But, um, I don't know, this team has a hard time. I know the Western game was an exception, but, uh, you know, we'll get hot for maybe a two or three minute period. But, it, it, you know, we just can't really manufacture other points to score. Um, you know, as well as you should to be a, you know, competent basketball team. Ryan says, will DePaul days ever return? No, we are. We are DePaul. Jesus. DePaul days, DePaul days dead. They, 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 last year's team killed it. It's done forever. The whole theory behind the holiday was, was blown to shit. It's done. You think Georgia Tech has like Louisville day now? They're like, it's Louisville day. Like. Dude, DePaul fans tweet me after every game that we lose with the hashtag Louisville. Oh, fuck. Jesus. They 
I get blitzed. I, I DePaul fans have signed me up for emails about DePaul. They text into the radio show. They harass me after every game. Like I'm living the karma for 15 years straight of making fun of DePaul at a national level. It's all come back to me. I, I was gonna say, yeah, this might they, all be your fault for for being too cocky for 20 years. I was right for 20 years. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, Chris Mack's first home game I, back. God, that's that. I mean, when DePaul Day comes back, that's when we're back as a program. We're supposed to play them next year up there. I mean, you think I'm going to celebrate that? Not right now. They just beat Villanova for the first time in 22 years. They're, they're taking everybody out. Um, Card Sox says, why does KP wear the same uniform every day? It kind of looks like he was an extra in Star Trek. <laughs> too bad it's not a re- too, too too bad it's not a red shirt like the guys who never come back from the landing party. Um, I don't understand. Like I, I get having a routine and sticking with it when things are going well. Like like Patino, if you ever noticed, when we go on a road game winning streak, he would never switch the uniforms. If if we had won four in a row wearing red away from home, we were going to keep wearing red. I don't understand wearing the same thing every day when you're off to a historically awful start like maybe throw in like like a, a hawaiian shirt maybe i don't know like try something different like dress up like jack skellington like do do something outrageous to try and, and jump start this program i don't it's a small quibble in in the uh the grand scheme of problems that we have right now with uofl basketball but it's it, it's i don't i don't understand the, the, i i agree he should change this has nothing to do with Kenny, but um, I'm blessed enough to wear like during the off season. My uncles are awesome, um, the ones that are involved with the Reds, and they they'll give us like some gear. Like usually, it's like some sort of like hoodie or like a training shirt for the Reds. So I have like a bunch of Reds gear. But this year, like they he dropped on me like this like gray like gray kind of workout pants and like a gray zip up that goes with it. And I was like, man, this thing's comfortable. Like you know, I I tried it on, um, and then like. <laughs> I was leaving for like one of Cam's games. I was like walked out and my wife was like, Are you really gonna wear that out in public? I was like, What's wrong with it? She was like, You look like a fifty year old dad and then like I kinda thought it these are like the sweatsuits that like Patino used to wear. Like when you'd like see him like on like WHAS like for clips in practice. Um so I don't know. That she's like, Maybe that maybe we should just keep that one inside the house. So, um, I'm with Kenny in a sense. I just, I don't have the balls to wear it outside. It's like, so now that you say that I have the pullover that Kenny Payne wears every game. It's all coming out. I like, I refuse to wear it out. They gave it away at the, uh, one of the golf scrambles because we won a few years ago. It's like the same exact one. And I just, I don't wear it. I'm like, I can't, I can't wear it right now. It's, uh, it's, I don't have, I don't have pride in this. I feel like there's so much Um, cool cardware gear that like, I don't know where it is and I don't know how to get it, but like, I'll like randomly see someone with like a sweatshirt or a hoodie. I'm like, damn, that thing is just sweet. But I, I just I need to, I need access to these things when I see them. A lot of the stuff that they give to the coaching staff and the players, like they don't sell to the general public. Which, yeah, every now and then I'll see like, you know, last year I think Chris Mack was wearing something one time where I was like, damn, that's that's awesome. And I realized like I'm never gonna have a chance to get that. Yeah, they don't sell it publicly. Um, LSF says, what are your thoughts on the recent articles about uh, Tim Sullivan? Yeah, we we probably should have talked about that. I talked about it at length on the radio show on Monday. I mean, Sullivan's back in a big fucking way. He is way. back. He is, 
He's dropping stuff over at the Leo Weekly. The most interesting thing about the first story that came out, I guess it was Monday, you know, they they framed it as the most interesting part, like the headline and the, the lead to the story were all about Patino's comments regarding Kenny Johnson, calling him, you know, and this was all stemmed from a 2021 interview with the NCAA that, that Sullivan obtained the transcripts to. Patino told the NCAA that, that Kenny Johnson's a pathological liar, said he ruined his life. Like, that was that was interesting enough. But I thought the second half of it was actually more interesting where he talked about, you know, and I don't have it up in front of me, but I'm, so I'm paraphrasing. Basically, when Papa John and the other people, like Papa John made his claim about he's trying to get Rick out, he's basically trying to get Rick fired, and Matt Bevin overhauls the board and puts in some people who are loyal to the University of Kentucky was the way that Sullivan said it. Um, they basically, Tom George goes to Rick Pitino and is like, they're trying, they want me to fire you. They said, you know, I'll keep my job if I fire you. And Patino, after the second time Jurich comes and says that, Patino tells him, just fire me, like save yourself, save your family, don't worry about me, like I'll be fine, just make sure I get paid and I'll go find another job. And Jurich, of course, doesn't do that, and Patino ends up getting fired when the FBI stuff breaks a few months later. Like I, I thought that was interesting because the day and the day after that Tom and Rick got let go, there became this narrative out there, and I don't know who started it. I, I don't know where it came from, but it became a widespread story that, hey, Tom Jurich was told, you can save your job if you fire Rick Pitino. He didn't do it. That's why he got fired. And Jurich, I mean, he came on our old radio show, and, and he said this multiple times, just denied the story. said, not true. You know, that, that didn't happen. That conversation never took place. It was never an ultimatum. Like, they just wanted me, me gone. And now you've got Pitino saying it on the record to an NCA investigator that like that very much was the situation. I thought that was interesting because we've never heard that corroborated before. Yeah. I don't know. Like during that time, there was just so many different theories about like kind of what was going on. But like the one thing you heard was like, yeah, like, you know, like you said, Bevin has kind of brought in like his pro UK guys and, and, you know, he wants this all to go down his way. And, um, you know, the fact that this is all coming out, like, five six years later is like kind of surreal but um yeah i mean i'm as, as interesting as that was to read i'm i'm just glad that sully's back to be honest yeah sully's back and then his second story was all about the uh the gaudio audio the chris max situation there wasn't really anything um, new there I, was it i mean i no the, the only thing it was kind of the same thing where you know we'd always heard that chris mack didn't give the the full tape to the FBI the first time. And now that this confirmed it, he, he basically took out the parts where he's like talking about paying Gaudio and making sure Dino doesn't go and tell people about what was going on. Like he said, he was scared. He'd never been in the situation before. He was worried about, you know, unlawful stuff. And so he took those parts out of the original recording, which he gave to the FBI. It, it does shed light on why he was suspended for six games. Cause it wasn't just, not having an HR person in the room when he fired when he fired Dino uh, and fired Luke Murray, it was it was basically the the FBI I, and the tape. I stuff. do wish I was a fly on the wall when they said I guess they went over was it Tyra's house and listened to the audio for the first time. Yeah, right after like that would have been that would have been something to see. But um, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> Dino, Dino, Dino. Do you remember the early days of this podcast? And it was a little bit after this time, two years ago, 2021, when our run, our first running thing was like, everybody just assumes we're going to be in the NCAA tournament. We were like, Chris, I'm begging you not to, not, not to miss the NCAA tournament here, buddy. Like this, 
you don't things are going to get bad if you have to miss the NCAA tournament. And that's exactly what happened. Like, like I don't think we thought that it was going to get extortion bad, but if you just make the NCAA tournament, if you win one of those last few games that you play, they lost to Clemson in a game where they just didn't show up late in the season. If you win that game, make the NCAA tournament, I, I mean, you don't have to fire Gaudio and Murray. You don't get the extortion. I, I think all of this just, just killed Chris Mack's heart, and his, you, he very clearly was not engaged at L anymore last season. Like, he's probably still your head coach right now if that if, if you make that 2021 NCAA tournament. Who knows how good we are? Maybe we're just as bad as we are now. You, you never know. But history is very, very different if, if just that one little thing happens. Yeah. Brad, <clears throat> Brad Brownell killed our program, so – he really did. He really, he really did. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Villain says, "Will the CC Person of the Year ever be announced officially?" Yeah, it's official. The Bring Brom Home guy won the vote. Uh, I know some Card Chronicle people were upset about it, but look, he won the vote. And I don't know, like people are like, "Well, oh, people are voting illegally." I don't know enough about technology <laughs> to do any of that. I put the poll up. I set the day limit. I check the results. It's all I can no, do. I was it's, gonna say, it's all I've I, got. This isn't a knock on. Uh, bring Brom home guy, be, you know, because obviously he did his due diligence, you know, he, he worked his magic and now Brom is our coach, but um, it does, you kind of, kind of wonder about the validity of the poll after we see how much bring Brom home used to post after people's like Twitter, like he would make a comment, like every single one, you think he'd probably have access to somehow crack that uh, Twitter poll somehow and skew it his way, but I don't even hate him for it. I think it's kind of fantastic if he did it. Uh, I mean, I can't. Yeah, there was one year back in the day where the results mysteriously ended in a perfect tie between Preston Knowles and Charlie Strong. Like Strong, I think was up by like ninety-eight votes when I was going to sleep, and then I woke up and they were like perfectly tied. Like again, I I can't tell you how to do those types of things. I can't. All like I am not technologically savvy enough to to do that or to know how to fix it but i put the poll up i look at the results and whoever wins wins that's, that's i mean is I jeff do. brom like a one to five morning line favorite for 2024 or 2023 here if he gets eight nine wins next season then he's he's gonna be tough to beat unless like you know dan mcdonald wins a college world series or you know we, we win in volleyball next Mick year Cronin and takes us to the tournament Mick Cronin, <laughs> Mick Cronin is coming off of a 65-point beatdown of Kentucky at the Yum Center. Um, uh, Kyle says, why did you name your daughter after our kryptonite team? Well, I named her after my mom and my grandma my great-grandma, and every woman on my mom's side is a Virginia, so got to do what you got to do. Uh, Derek says, I've heard a lot about new culture. What exactly is Kenny Payne's culture? I'm not sure I've exactly heard what it is that he's trying so hard to establish. Sweat sweatsuits that look like they're from the Fila brand. <laughs> sweatsuits and turnovers. That's the that's the culture. Oh God. I I mean I don't here's the one in all seriousness, here here's the one thing that I'll say. Because we talked earlier about not having anything to point to if you're a Kenny Payne supporter that definitively says things are going to be okay. I think the best thing that you can point to right now is say you know, we got a lot of players back from last year's team, which was better on the floor, at least so far, than this year's team. But behind closed doors, after game, it was completely dysfunctional. You heard the stories, players fighting, players fighting coaches, coaches getting into it with each other. Like, like all this stuff was apparently happening behind the scenes last year, and the players were affected by it. This year, as bad as it's been, it's been worse. I mean, 2-15 is 2-15. You haven't had any players, like, 
calling out Kenny Payne publicly. You haven't had any players tweeting bad things or liking bad tweets or you you haven't had any stories about players getting into fights after games. Like that at least says that they are buying into the culture or buying into you know the culture that he's trying to build here. Like that's it, it's not it doesn't excuse being 2 and 15 and it's not going to make a difference if Kenny Payne doesn't start winning ultimately, but it's also it, it's not nothing. Like there's something to be said for the players still believing in his message and, and <laughs> not fighting each other. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. That that's the best thing about our team right now is that they're not fighting each other after games, but they were last year. That's all I can say. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. No, I, I hear you. Um, and like, I, this is what I'll say at this point. I think most of the fan base is so upset that no matter what Kenny says at his press conference, like fans are going to find a way to twist it around on him just because of the record. Um, I personally, I didn't hear what he said last night, but I personally was okay with what he said after the Wake Forest game as I I think he was just being honest about the program about, you know, Louisville has lost something along the way. And I'm glad he at least recognizes it. Like I, I truly do think from the bottom of my heart that he's trying to get through to these kids, you know, the right way and have them play the right way. But um, you know, it to me, unfortunately, whether it's fair or not, I mean, it, to me, it just comes down to roster construction before the season almost ruined anything positive that you could get out of this season. It was just so poorly constructed that, yeah, you can say the right thing, you can try to teach the right thing, but the roster is so bad that it, it just nixes everything because you can't really tell from the product on the court. Yeah, I mean, I think the roster was we, – we, we lamented the roster over the summer. I think you and I both had lowered expectations for this season. But when I was saying that, I was saying like, you know, 12, 13, 14 wins. I wasn't thinking right. 3, 4, 5, which is kind of where we are now. But, yeah, I mean, your your broader point is spot on. Uh, Gene says, where would you rank the Babyface Assassins, uh, North Oldham High School basketball team, top five, top three, numero uno? Yeah, David Levich has is a squad out it? there at North Oldham. Yeah, he's killing. It. They beat uh, they beat Trinity in the LIT. I think they've only got one or two losses. They're they're really okay, good. Well, they're, gets better they're probably in March, a top. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> it did when you were playing. Yeah. Um, Damn it! <laughs> like, didn't you guys not make yeah, it? Out we, of we kind of we were the opposite. Here? We used to peak early and then really kind of peter out yeah. at the end. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I'd say North Oldham top five team in the state. I know Covey Cath is, is apparently really good. I can't tell you who else is really good, but. Um, yeah, I know David Levitch is killing That's it. That's great. Um, Seth says, do, do Ellis and Curry have another year of eligibility? Yes, both of them do. Um, Dwayne says, where should I take my wife's boyfriend to eat once he flies into town this weekend? It's like, well, probably not. Uh, where did we go? So, no, I, I, we should, we, should we talk? I was going to save this for Dan and the dumps. Um, save it for Dan. Okay, and the I'll dumps. save it for Dan and the dumps. Yeah. Where, I don't know. Where, okay. I, I mean, you're you're probably you're more up to date on the restaurants than I am in Louisville. Outback, go to Outback. Outback. Not the one on Shelbyville Road because it closed. There's 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 more Outbacks though. Just take him there. Um, Josh brings up the question that we have to have every podcast, every radio show, every time I'm doing anything U of L related. What has to happen for Kenny Payne not to get a second year after the season? <laughs> Everybody wants to know. I walk my dog and people stop me and they're like, "Is there any chance? Like, what number of games do, do we have to hit?" for Kenny Payne not to be back next year. And I never have an answer. I don't know. It's not like football where you can kind of say, you could kind of say going into the season, 
if Satterfield doesn't go to a bowl game, he's probably done. If Satterfield wins seven, he's probably safe. Like, I don't, this is a first year head coach. He's got a large buyout that's in its first year. I mean, I, there's only one Kenny guy Payne that knows the answer. To... There literally is one guy that knows the answer, and that's yeah. Josh Hurd. That's it. And I, I think I think the answer is there's probably no. I think if they lost out, I think he probably still gets a second year. I don't know that for sure, but that's my hunch. I think the only way that Kenny Payne's not your coach next year is if Kenny Payne chooses not to be. I, I um, agree with that's, you. That's my guess. Um, Tony says hypothetically, Calipari takes the Texas job. How much worse is it if we still don't get DJ or Bradshaw and they go somewhere else? Well, I mean, if if Calipari takes the Texas job, I'll be shocked if those guys don't go with. Him. I was gonna say, right? yeah. I mean, plus the Nike ties, I think, has such a big part in it that you know, I, I just think either going with them or going to some Nike school would probably be the alternative. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I first of all, I don't think that Cal's taking the Texas job. Second of all, I think those players are would go with him. I think that they're 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 Cal guys, which. Would be great. They he he get AJ Johnson then too. If if AJ stuck around at Texas, uh, that would be that'd be a bitter pill. Chad says the team GPA for the first semester was three point zero two. That's against two overall wins. Is there any chance that with the wins outpace GPA in the second semester? Um, that's that's first of all, props to the team for the three point zero two GPA. Second of all. Second semester, we, we don't have any wins so far. I don't think any of our wins, either of our wins, count for the second semester. So we'd have to get more than three to outpace the GPA. I, I don't think that's happening. I think that the students win. God, these questions are so sad. I mean, Jesus. I know. I mean, some of them are. I, I'm skipping over some of the more aggressive ones. Oh, I guarantee. Ones. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I'm sure you're you're picking and choosing here, but um, yeah, I think we discussed our our high bar of two to three wins here in the second half of the year already. Candyman says was running Zach cultural appropriation. Of course it was. It was, it was run. There were a lot of problems with running Zach. Yeah. I, I don't think, uh, the remake of saved by the bell is going to have a running Zach episode. If that's what you're asking. Dr. Jonathan Ballman says, this is a great question. Rocky Colt or Tum Tum. I never, that's three ninjas, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, God, I think I may have watched it like when I was little, but it's like one movie I don't really remember as a kid. What? Yeah. Rocky loves Emily. I mean, Tum Tum's the obvious answer, the little the young one who was kind of the comedic relief. Um, but I was more of I'm, I'm a Rocky guy. Give me Rocky. All right, I'll, I'll follow you. Go to go with Rocky. Okay. Um. You know, I mean, I'm, half of these questions that I'm flipping over, are like any chance he steps down if we win less than four, it's just it's the same question over and over. And I, I'm sorry, I just don't have an answer for you. Um, Jacob says, while Brom has yet to produce results on the field, what's your optimism given the recruiting that he's done that Louisville sees an ACC title and or the expanded CFP in the near future? I think that I mean because this is the last year of the four team playoff, so you've got this elite recruiting class coming in. You've seen that Jeff can can work wonders in the transfer portal. I feel I feel like we're at least going to have a shot in 2024, 2025, 2026 to be flirting with that top 12. I mean, I don't think that that's outrageous. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I will say um, I think coming up with this 12-team playoff, I think scheduling is going to be more important than ever. 
I think you, and I hate this. That we, I mean, like, will it be fun while it happens? I mean, not while it happens, but leading up to it, like the fact that we have a home and home with Georgia in 26 yeah. and 27, <laughs> it's like, well, that, that, like I was watching the game the other night. And I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe we should try to Indiana this and go ahead and start trying to get out of it now and, and put like a buy game in there. But um, I think, you know, you're going to want to try to nab one of those 12 playoff spots to get like a just easy victory in there over quote unquote challenging yourselves. Um, I think is going to be key, but I, yeah, no, I, I think that's the idea that we're going to compete hopefully down the line for ACC titles and, you know, playoff spots. All right. Just a couple more here. We, we have like three different questions all about Fabio Basile, why he's not playing more. I can combine them into one question. Um, a lot of people, thought Fabio was, was really good against Western Kentucky. He helped spark that, and he's clearly not playing very much right now. I'm not – like, I know that everybody wants to think that there's a quick fix on the bench. And when you look at the comments on any little Twitter post or little Instagram post. It's flooded with people saying, start Fabio, play Fabio more. <clears throat> I'm not quite as enamored with, with Fabio as it seems like the rest of the fan base is. Um, I mean, the last time – last few times we've seen him, he's been missing layups and – I think the book is out on him. He really struggles to go to his left. I think he can be a good college player. He's not there yet. Having said that, do I think it would make sense to play him a little bit more and, and get L off the ball? Yeah. And do I think that he gives you at least as much as Hersey Miller at the point? Yeah. So I am surprised that he hasn't played more. I think it's strange. Um, we also have a, qu- a couple of questions about Devin Ree. I think that's also very strange that he's getting no time whatsoever when you're still seeing Zan Payne out there and, and when we need shooters out there. And that was kind of supposed to be the role that he was going to play on this year's team. But those two guys, Dan, are, are you surprised we're not seeing any more of either one of them? Yes. Um, and I'm not even saying that they're going to pan out. But, um, you know, if if you think they're going to be part of your long-term plans, and I don't see the reason not to play them. It's a lost season right now. You have two wins. You're losing every game by double digits. What's the harm in, you know, giving Fabio 10 minutes a night or, you know, Devin Ree 8 to 10 minutes a night just to, A, get experience, and B, I mean, you know, are they probably going to be overwhelmed at this point? Yeah, they probably are, but, you know, it's really not a, a ton different from what we're throwing out on the floor now, so I guess that would be my issue. But, um, I, by the way, I gave an answer last pod that I've, like, thought about when it was, like, if you could keep three guys, I may have given the worst answer of all time. It was a bad answer. And I'm answer. like, I, I need was shocked. to go reevaluate myself. <laughs> it was so bad. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, I said Sid. I'm sorry. I can't do Sid anymore. Like, but, You're like, yeah. Zan. <laughs> uh... Jesus. No, but if I'm redoing my answer now, I would say Mike James. I would say Kamari yeah. Lands. Um, those are my top two. And then third, I don't know. That one's tough. Like, you know, um, I, I really – those two are the most I'm confident in. Like, L. Ellis plays hard on the offensive end. Um, maybe on a good team you can incorporate him into, like, a, a two-guard or something like that. But his defense is so bad. But, like, just because of what he's done for our team this year, I'll put him as the third. 
So you just took my answer from. Is that your last one? Time. Yeah, sorry. I guess that. Those are the. Those I was the put on the I spot, said. and I was like, "What?" I was like watching the game. I was like, "What was I thinking?" Yeah, you went first, and you were like Aiden McCool, <laughs> Ashton Miles DeVore, and obviously Devin Ree. And then I was like, uh, "I'm gonna take Mike James, L. Ellis, and Kamari oh, Lance." Oh God! Yeah, sorry about that, guys. All right, we've talked long enough. We we can uh, sorry if we didn't get to your question. We'll we'll try to do better next time. I promise. Um, but we've got to, we've, we've talked for over an hour here. Let's get to, to Dan the Dumps, Dan. You were in town last weekend. Do you have a good Dan the Dumps well, story? For I you? mean, this isn't even like anything extreme. It's just, I don't know. It was a little, I've never seen this before. We went to Stony River. <laughs> like, I went with Kim. You took Mary. We went with our buddy Chris and Ashley Kircher. We had a lovely time. Uh, the Stony River, I don't know. I, I went out to dinner with other friends the next night and kind of got some heat for going to Stony River. Not, I mean, it was great. I, I just, I don't know about if we're in that age demographic, but, um, anyways, <laughs> we, we went there before our senior prom. We did, we, we did go there for our senior prom. <laughs> we were, we were, uh, mature beyond our years. But anyways, <laughs> like, I, I have no idea what I was thinking. Like, first off, my order was, I mean, like everyone, like literally everyone got steak and like, for whatever reason, like I'm at it, I'm here and like, I'm like, why, why am I not in the mood for steak? Like, I, it was like, I knew I wanted a steak and I just couldn't say it. They're like, and you, I was like, I'll just do burger. Like, literally, I was like, what am I doing? So I got a burger and French onion soup, maybe like an F minus order um, that you could have at that. I mean, like, first off, it was good. It was good. I'm not knocking Stony River. But anyways, end of the night comes and. I have like a little bit of my burgers and fries left and she's like, do you want a to go box? I was like, yeah, I'll take it to go box. I was like, not the soup. Um, I don't even know why I had to say not the soup. There was like a sip <laughs> left in there. Plus I don't know why I said it. Anyways. <laughs> so anyway, she comes back with the to go box and there's like a container with like maybe like a teaspoon of French onion soup. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? She boxed my soup. It was like not even in a bowl. It was like just like it was like something you would like take home and like pour over your dog's like treats. I was like, what the hell is this? Like who boxes like a sip of soup left? Like it was the most mind boggling thing ever. But um, anyways, we thought it was the, we thought it was the butter. Yeah, from we did. The, the yeah, bread. it was uh, it was quite embarrassing. I don't know why I ordered what I ordered. But um, yeah, I like brought it home brother got a kick out of it but anyways that's it um this is a great time to announce that the uh, the car chronicle podcast for 2023 is going to be sponsored by stony river grill uh welcome into the <laughs> i'm not welcome aboard stony guys like, it was good food i i i just felt it was like a lot of like i don't know like 55 year old like you know at least one time divorce you know dad spot maybe well, he's not he's not divorced, but I can't tell you. John Ramsey fucking loves Stony River. He's I think he's there every weekend. He loves it. Uh, he like he, we went there because John had given us a gift card to Stony River a couple of years ago for Christmas. So we went there. It's it's uh, very much his spot. But yeah, it was it was the vibe was all over the place. But I it was my my fillet was great. Your burger seemed like it was it was yeah. good. So that's that's good. That's fine. Um, all right. Any other parting thoughts you want to get out here before we say goodbye? <sighs> golf season starts fantasy golf we're rolling into it any advice on fantasy golf we haven't won in three years dm me or you and and give us your picks for yeah. farmers insurance in a couple weeks 
uh, we could really use your help this year. It's game time. Uh, reminder, the best way to find out when new episodes of the podcast are available, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours. Uh, give us a rating. Leave us a nice review. We have one new review. that We read them on the podcast to try to encourage you guys to leave more. Uh, been here since the Colonel. Says, love this show. Their takes always seem to match up with mine, even with Mike Rutherford's Lions love. They don't always take the company line, but also have insight from mainly Mike's contacts. My only complaint is that I need more shows. We get that complaint a lot. People get upset about the podcast. Look, it, if we're doing it every, if we're doing it twice a week right now, it'd just be. I know. I was going to say it, the, the the level of play during basketball season is making it tough for sure. Um, if we start winning, we'll get back to multiple episodes. Hundred percent. That's that's the. That's the Card Chronicle podcast guarantee. But uh, enjoyed it as always. We will be back uh, with our, our thoughts on the North Carolina game, maybe the Pitt game. We'll see how this happens. Maybe Jeff Brown will bring in another five-star between now and then. Here's hoping. But until we talk to you guys again, go Let's Cards. Let's go Vikings. Go Cards, baby. Ugh, fuck the Vikes.